Jackson Elias, the regular podcast about Call of Cthulhu, horror films, and horror gaming in general. I'm Paul Fricker. I'm Scott Dalwood. And I'm Matt Sanderson. And this episode, we're punching you in the face. Uh, sorry, I mean, talking about violence in Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. But before we get into all that, well, we're going to be at Dragon Meat in London on the 1st of December. And I'm also pleased to announce that we're going to be doing another seminar live with Baz and Gaz of the Smart Party podcast. Yes, the five of us will be taking part in a live debate. Dragon Meat have provisionally given us the time of 11am. And our topic this year is going to be, is every role-playing game just a customised version of Dungeons & Dragons? Come along, listen to the two sides, and at the end, you get to cast your vote. But only if you're there. So if you're down there as well, please find us, say hi, we'd love to meet you. And talking of meeting people, going back in time, because I forgot to mention it at the time, when I was up in Edinburgh, at the Edinburgh Fringe, I was walking down the Royal Mile on, I think, the Sunday afternoon, just ambling along with the family, looking at some of the street acts, and I had to do a double take, because there was a guy in a good friend's t-shirt. No, really? Yes. <laughs> wow. In yeah, the wild. I think it was a, it was a hoodie with uh, When a Tracked Fish Goes Wrong on it. Holy and I was shit. like, what? Uh, and I almost didn't say anything. And I thought, no, hold on. This is quite unusual. <laughs> yeah. And I'm on the show. So I, I kind of went over to him and congratulated him on his shirt. And it was uh, Walter Vermeyen. Oh, wow. Yeah. He'd just been um, on holiday somewhere around the area and had called in Edinburgh for a day or two. And there he was. So it was a pleasure to meet him. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> just such a like, what the hell? Speaking of time rolling around pretty quick... Blasphemous Tome Issue 4 is about to hit. If you want to make sure that you get a copy, all you have to do is ensure that you are backing us by the end of the year. Backing us on Patreon, that is. We'll put instructions on the show notes, a link to a page that explains what to expect from the Blasphemous Tome, uh, what copies you get at different backer levels, and more importantly, or how to actually back us. And now on to our main topic, violence in Call of Cthulhu. I think it's rare for there to be a Call of Cthulhu session that doesn't involve at least some degree of violence. I mean, whether it's a major fight scene or taking on a monster or or just setting fire to something, there is usually an element of violence in there. But does it have to be part of Call of Cthulhu? I don't know about you. I I kept hearing this conventional wisdom that if you get into a fighting Call of Cthulhu, that means you've done something wrong. Or particularly if you bring out guns, you've made the wrong choice, I think. And yet it seems to happen in most scenarios. And also guns are an effective choice in many instances. Yeah. I mean, against quite a lot of, say, deep ones or whatever, violence can be perfectly effective. Except the Dark Young just laughs at you as it stomps you into the ground. Sure. I think that's the thing. Against some monsters, it's not going to work. But we're not really talking about like challenge ratings here, are we? About how effective it is. It's why it's so prevalent in the game. Which I would agree is a pretty common thing. I mean, I guess compared to, to some... It's not a game which is centred around combat, but it often does feature combat. I had this posed to me by Paul Lawrence, where he asked me... It's, common knowledge i'm not a particular fan of combat in games and he asked me then what does call of cthulhu or lots of other games of that era have such a large volume of the text of the rules he's got a whole bloody chapter on it devoted to combat and then weapons tables after that and so on and so on and what's your answer i think partly it's indicative of the time when the game came out because you look at the context of D&D that was around, that was kind of the major game at the time when it was released, that that combat was such a huge part of that game, that that was the style of RPGs across, not across the board, but across the vast well, percentage of it, I'd say. Actually, I'd say it was across the board at that time. With, I mean, yeah, we, we were talking about this the other night. The only game at the time I can think of that didn't have a combat system of any kind uh, was the Dallas RPG. Would you say violence is a common thing in your games, Matt, as someone who's not a big fan of combat mechanics? I think there's a distinction between violence and combat. Yeah. And that there can be violent acts that take place in games that don't rely on the combat mechanics. And what are we talking about today? Are we talking about violence or are we talking about combat? The big V. 
I'd say so. Yeah, mm. combat obviously is part of violence. But I'd say there are you know, violent solutions that we see in Call of Cthulhu that aren't straight combat, like setting fire to things, like blowing things up with explosives. Yeah. I think most Call of Cthulhu scenarios that I've played and campaigns that I've played have some kind of violent resolution, even if it's not just a big fight scene. Dynamite is an investigator's best friend. (laughs) But yeah, why is that? As you say, I mean, the fact that there is a combat system, not just a combat mechanic, but a combat system in Call of Cthulhu is pretty indicative. And yeah, sure, I mean, it came out of RuneQuest and combat was a big part of RuneQuest. Should it have been as big a part of Call of Cthulhu? Or was that just an assumption of the way mechanics worked at the time? I think if you discarded the rule set and just rift off a Call of Cthulhu story and just kind of acted it out without rules. And if you sort of followed the mode of the Call of Cthulhu scenarios, I think you'd end up with combat in the stories. I mean, I would compare it to 90-something percent of the movies on the IMDb Top 100. I took a look at the Top 50 yesterday, and I'd say almost all of them feature violence. But do you think that... Call of Cthulhu scenarios would feature as much violence and as much combat if there weren't four or five pages of weapons tables. And yeah, that's my point. I think uh, it would. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because we're putting people in the seat of playing characters in a story in which threat levels are greatly increased. There are monsters. It's a horror setting which often portrays violent acts having happened to people violent deaths we do have the monsters or or whatever the threat is i'll just use monsters as a simplified term you know the, the, the bad things that the player characters are trying to counter often relate to violence in some form i would say but relating to violence is one specific thing i mean in a lot of those films that you were talking about there there are almost certainly going to be acts of violence throughout the films But is the ultimate resolution of the film every time going to be violent? Because in most cases, I think the ultimate resolution of most, not not all, but most Call of Cthulhu sessions is violent. I don't think that's necessarily the case with films. A lot of the films you're talking about won't necessarily end with a big fight scene. One that turns up at the top of most of those lists, uh, The Shawshank Redemption, has a very non-violent ending. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, just thinking back, you're talking about the final resolution of things. Certainly that isn't always combat or or violence. In role-playing games, I mean, certainly in D&D, I'd expect, like, the big fight against the kind of the boss monster or whatever, almost. In Call of Cthulhu, I mean, without giving spoilers, thinking about masks, the final thing there, as if I'm recalling correctly, isn't really violence and combat. No, but it will probably involve a lot of violence getting to pull it off. We're getting there, but we're talking about yeah. the final resolution. Yeah. You know, the final resolution of well, quite quite a common thing is like, you know, doing a ritual or... My fairly reductive summation of the majority of Call of Cthulhu scenarios is they end in two ways. One is performing some kind of magical act or ritual, and the other is tooling up with Tommy guns and shotguns and dynamite and blowing the fuck out of things. Woohoo! Do you think then that violence as a solution is perhaps a tempting, easy way of resolving problems in Call of Cthulhu in particular, but role-playing games in general, that is a neat way of resolving a situation that perhaps we don't see in more complex forms of fiction? I'd definitely go for that. I remember from my experiences amidst the outside of Call of Cthulhu running lots of World of Darkness LARPs, I'd set up antagonists that had mainly at their core, just very driven personalities and that were doing potentially, you could view them as heinous things. But as far as they were concerned, they were fully justified in doing so. A lot of the times, the players would just walk in, find the person responsible. They wouldn't try to confront them or wouldn't try to have any kind of debate with them about, no, this is what you're doing is wrong and this is because of X, Y and Z. It would be all too much right, a run-in, start initiative order and kill them. So I don't think think it's just limited to Cthulhu, but I've been in that situation multiple times. Yeah, it's a difficult one because from a game point of view and from a player point of view, 
because there's a combat system in the game and because it's fun to play, then it becomes quite a rewarding way of solving problems. I mean, it's not only an effective one, but it's an entertaining way of engaging with the game and engaging with the mechanics. So, you know, it becomes you know, almost like a reward cycle there that if you resolve this in the most simplistic way possible, you'll have more fun doing it. But I think if you look at, like I said, most films and stories and so on going back to like beowulf or something you know it, they contain violence and that's just a very dramatic thing because it's something mm. fortunately most of us don't encounter in our everyday life and it's something which if you're up in the ante dramatically actually getting into a, a fist fight or pulling a knife on somebody is really raising the bar I'd hate to live in a world where that's an everyday occurrence, but <laughs> in a story, it's and even looking at soap operas, the most mundane soap operas, I think wouldn't be uncommon to see somebody punching somebody or somebody grabbing someone. Or it's interesting to think about the the role that violence plays in Lovecraft's fiction, because you know, Call of Cthulhu is you know ostensibly supposed to to model Lovecraft's fiction to some degree, and. Violence certainly plays a role in Lovecraft's fiction. I mean, you know, there's any number of stories in which a character pulls out a gun at some stage, you know, the thing on the doorstep, Pigman's model, the lurking fear. But there are very few where the climax is violent. Towards the end of The Call of Cthulhu, where he rams Cthulhu with a, a steamer ship, yeah. which is, I don't know how many, how many dice of damage that does, but <laughs> one could class that as violence, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it does appear not centrally but quite often well uh, but it's a resolution for a subplot in the call of cthulhu there's a couple of places in the call of cthulhu where violence provides a resolution so inspector lagrasse's raid on the the cult and the louisiana bayou as well that is using violence to solve an immediate problem but ultimately it doesn't provide a resolution to the overall story does it no no the end is more Thurston coming to realise that, ah, now like Angel, I know too much. Ah, the cult's going to come for me like they did for him. Mm. And it ends on this quite yeah, dark and depressing note in that sense. Yeah. Off the top of my head, the only Lovecraft story I can think of where... Oh, no, there, there are two where violence provides a sort of resolution. One where it very definitely does is the lurking fear. The protagonist there does the classic Call of Cthulhu investigator thing of loading up with dynamite and going up and, and just blowing everything up. And I suppose you could argue to a certain extent that part of the shadow of Innsmouth is resolved with violence in that you've got the raid on Innsmouth that blows up the town and the survivors get rounded up. But even that, it doesn't provide a resolution to the characters up because that carries on beyond that. And very often with Lovecraft stories, it's the character, the narrator, telling an account of events that happened. And those events may have included violence, but... Lovecraft doesn't really focus on the violence. As you said, in Shadow of Rinsmouth, we don't have any description of the, the Navy going in and bombing the reef and so on. It's, it's just mentioned. It's not played out for us. No. So it, that's not really the focus of the story. He's no. kind of telling what happened. But, I mean, in a role-playing game, unless you're going to have one of the player characters looking back on events and sort of saying, you know, what happened, you're not really going to model that same mode of storytelling. No, but I mean, I'm thinking of stories that have got violent scenes in them. So like Herbert Westry Animator, The Thing on the Doorstep and Pigman's mm. Model. Each one has got a scene where a character deals with a threat by shooting it with a revolver. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in each one of those is a very quick thing. It's not a major scene. It's just sort of, oh, here's this thing we've got to deal with. Bang, bang, bang. Right, let's move on with the main story. Whereas in Call of Cthulhu, very often you get those big fight scenes and it's the focus of the scenario, or at least a major part of the session. Well, I think because in the Lovecraft story, they're looking back on it in retrospect and saying this is how it played out. No, but no, I, I don't think so. Because in those scenes, it's not just the, the fact they're in retrospect, it's the fact they're fairly minor incidents. Or not, not minor incidents in terms of their effects on the characters, but minor incidents in that they're over with very quickly. Mm. But if they'd gone differently... In the game, the mechanics play out the outcome of it, doesn't it? Uh, well, not necessarily, because, a, because with each one of those, I mean, it's, it's one person with a gun, you know, shooting something very quickly. It's not an extended fight. It's not, then I had to do this tactical thing or run for cover or whatever. It's just, yeah. sort of, I pull out my gun, bang, 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 and it's over in 10 seconds. I almost wonder if you're coming at it from the perspective that 
Call of Cthulhu games are like Lovecraft's fiction. I just think trying to model Lovecraft's mode of storytelling in a role-playing game is not a good aim. But on the other hand, I mean, there are plenty of role-playing games out there where violence isn't a big part of them. Why is violence a big part in Call of Cthulhu? So which ones isn't violence a big part of? Over the Edge? Oh, there's plenty of fighting in Over the Edge. Yeah, the combat mechanics in it are very small. Yeah, the mechanics are very small, but it features violence as much as any other game, I'd say. But yeah, I, mean, I agree. Most of the ones that are non-violent or don't have much violence in them are, are relatively small games. Uh, so I'm thinking of, you know, Noblest Golden Sky Stories, uh, you know, Cthulhu Dark. Um, but combat occurs in Cthulhu Dark. I've played it. It occurs it, often enough. It just penalises you if you try and do it because you die. So there yeah. is, it has combat mechanics. They're just you die if you fight a monster. But it's more the point that it doesn't allow violence as a resolution uh, to the problem. In Call of Cthulhu, say you've done your investigation, you find out there's a bunch of Cthonians that are, are burrowing up and mind-controlling people and getting ready to unleash some horror on a small community. So the majority of Call of Cthulhu games that would play out with that would end up with some kind of confrontation where people would get shotguns and dynamite and so on and go off and confront them. What, the Cthonian? Yeah. I've played games like that. It's going to be over real quick. Good yeah. luck with that, but okay. Yeah. So I guess it depends on the type of foe, I guess, as well. I mean, if it is a small group of deep ones, then that is something that you could go and tackle with a bunch of people with shotguns. You could take that on. If it's something bigger, then you kind of can't. If you do and it's not a TPK, then is, is that are you really running it properly? Because... If you're taking on Chthonians with shotguns, I'm not sure that's really oh, going to work. No, and no, I think it's more the dynamite that, that would be helpful there. But Even then, is yeah. that really going to no, do it's, it? It's that yeah, moment of open wide! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think there's something more fundamental. And we touched on this, I think, back in episode 85, where we talked about combat and how to make that more interesting. Which is the fact that combat in a role-playing game is, by the very nature of playing a game, a much more abstracted thing than violence in real life. Because you don't have the personal consequences for being violent. You don't have to deal with the trauma afterwards for either inflicting or undergoing violence, the, the psychiatric trauma. You don't have to deal with the physical pain or the fear that's involved with being in a fight no, and so as a result it becomes a much more abstracted tactical thing it becomes a game right yeah. i think that's where i think they're called role-playing games and the game aspect often manifests the most in combat mechanics because a that's the only place you can really lose and a game kind of requires winning and losing that's the only place your character is likely to die or most likely to die i would say in combat so that has that gamey feeling and there's i mean yes you have sort of social encounters but if you win or lose that it doesn't necessarily have the same repercussions but i think that thing about consequences is a big deal because in my everyday life i don't encounter violence and i'm quite happy confronting people not just some random person in the pub because they might punch me in the face right but in a workplace or social situations with people i meet i'm quite happy confronting them about things and if need be debating things or arguing with them and pretty confident they're not ever going to escalate it to actually punching me in the face but, yeah, it's not just the fact that you're not concerned about other people escalating to violence, but I think in a lot of role-playing game situations, there's the temptation that you yourself, your characters, might escalate things to mm. violence in a way that you, know, you never would personally, because even aside from the, the legal consequences and, and so on, hurting someone else physically is a big thing, and it's actually quite hard to do on an emotional level. Yeah, so we might think about doing it, yeah. even... I don't know. Do you think about punching people, Matt? I don't know. Pretty much describes most of my working life between 8.30 on Monday morning yeah, to but 5 o'clock do Friday. Right? But have you ever actually been in a real fight, Matt? I, mean, like I have hurt someone before, yes. Right. And they had it coming, and I had no remorse. Oh, okay. No, I mean, the couple of times, you know, I've been in real fights when in, in school days, and, you know, a couple of times I hurt other people very badly. And I was absolutely fucking devastated by it. And we don't get these repercussions in a role-playing game, though. And it'd kind of be cool if we could build that 
in, you know, all these various dynamics of pain and guilt and social pressures and, and all these things. But well, and fear. I mean, and fear, 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 yeah, fear is a big part, fear of getting hurt. This is something that you tend to lose in a lot of fights in a role-playing game, which is they become fights of attrition that, you know, I'll wear down his hit points and at some point he will be knocked out or be killed. Yeah. And most real fights don't happen like that. And most real fights happen with someone getting exhausted or frightened or hurt and you're know, backing off and uh, they aren't that process of attrition and i would like in most combats or the feeling i get from playing most combats in terms of violence and fear no more realistic than the impression i get when i play monopoly mm. of buying mayfair and then you know somebody landing on it and paying me rent and then me not being able to afford it anymore and having to sell it and then losing all my money and i'm like oh i enjoyed that game i've gone bankrupt hooray you know i'm not too worried it was fun mm. but it's the same with like playing call of cthulhu combats it's like okay i got crushed by a shot off hooray <laughs> you know i'm not it doesn't bother me it's kind of like if you're invested in a character you're a bit like oh that's a shame you know i wanted to carry on playing that character but there's never that feeling that you know if somebody close to you were in an actual fight and assaulted and or they were the aggressor the feelings that you'd have about that are very complex, but you don't get that in role-playing games. But, yeah, but, I mean, you talk very much about they're getting crushed by a shoggoth or, you know, dealing with a monster. But I'm, I'm thinking, you know, specifically here of human-level threats, dealing with cultists or antagonistic NPCs or, or even sort of hybrid creatures like Deep One Hybrids, where a healthy, normal person probably wouldn't deal with a confrontation with with someone like that violently unless their life was in danger or unless the life of someone they cared about was in danger under what circumstances would you in real life deal with a situation in a way that put you or the other person at risk of serious harm or death yeah i think that's a good question when i'm gming npcs and you know matt's the player character I'm quite happy as the NPC to, you know, get up in your face and start pushing you with my finger on your chest and not me pushing you, Matt, <laughs> but, you know, the characters in the game. And I'm kind of provoking you to, to see how much you'll take and whether you'll lash out or whatever as a, as a player character. So I think it's partly that the GM kind of pushes that in a way that in real life I don't encounter. You know, that person at work that gets on your nerves matt there should be an s on the end of that. okay <laughs> people sorry um you know they're not actually getting up in your face and confronting you and sort of mm. you know being really aggressive towards you i'm imagining they're just being annoying right no some of them can be very aggressive over the phone right but is it the situation in a game where they're being aggressive enough that you'd sort of say to me as gm you know okay well i'm grabbing this guy by the throat and pushing him over the desk oh, i don't know yeah, it, it's I can't imagine my normal day job being a situation in an RPG. <laughs> no, no, but but I'm thinking no, I'm thinking about the... any situation. I mean, you know, you, you must have had you know social encounters where the reaction has been, oh yeah, th this person is really pissing me off. Um, but you wouldn't necessarily consider hurting that person. Uh, in an RPG, I'd be the first one to pick up the baseball bat and smash their face in. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, in real life, why don't you? There's this little pesky thing called the law. And, and that, yeah. that's, that's the only reason. So sometimes I really... It's probably not going to be something to put in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, seriously, there are, now, are some, yeah. down and used against <laughs> you. Yeah, there are, there are some people that have pushed my buttons enough where this, seriously the only reason I don't fucking kill them is because I know I would end up in prison. Oh, wow. Okay, because... Yeah, I mean... No, I think in my case, because I wouldn't necessarily want to deal with the emotional consequences of, of hurting someone. Yeah, I don't know for me. I mean, a mixture of all those things, really. I, I can kind of... There are some people that annoy me or that I don't like, and I don't know. I mean, if I heard they'd been knocked down by a bus, I'm not sure how would I feel. I guess it'd be kind of unpleasant. <laughs> what, what I mean, if I were driving the bus, I guess... <laughs> yeah, what, what, was, it, was, it, was it Mark Twain or, or just attributed to him that, uh, that that wonderful line about I wouldn't wish someone dead but I have read some obituaries with great pleasure <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's an interesting question why don't we do it because we're saying why do we do yeah. it so easily in role playing games what interests me is why we don't do it in real life and, the, yeah. and I guess of the people that do do it 
not talking about out and out psychopaths but you know what is it that pushes somebody far enough that they do engage in it or that what's pushed them and they well, they still don't quite react to it it's interesting you use the word psychopath there it's not the intent i think for most role players but i think in i've, I've seen a great many cases where rpg characters are fundamentally psychopaths it's not because the player has thought i'll generate a psychopath it's because they are playing in such a way that they are freed from the consequences of or at least the impulse control that is there in in a normal human brain isn't there within the game it abstracts it to the point where you don't have to submit to impulse control where impulse control Mm. isn't isn't a part of your thought processes and aren't we once we start playing a game we're telling a story and stories are about fantasy you know little red riding hood you know there's a wolf and it eats people and even at that basic level, there's violence in, in plenty of children's stories, right? Look at the Grimm's fairy tales. Mm. So I think we're looking for something dramatic and exciting. And if you tell a story that's just like our lives, I don't know, some reasonably interesting things happen to me, but most days are pretty dull, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in terms of telling somebody else about What did you do today? Uh, I went over to Sainsbury's, bought some beans. I don't know. Had a cup of tea. Shot the teller in the face. <laughs> I don't mention that bit. <laughs> they had it coming. <laughs> uh, I'm not American. I'm not Patrick Bateman. Um, <laughs> but my point is that when you're telling stories, everything gets raised. Yes. The dramatic tension is raised. The, the level of expectation as what can happen in the world, even if it's not fantasy even if there aren't monsters and supernatural i think the levels of what you'll do and what you won't do are are, are heightened but going back to what you were talking about with the majority of films involving violence in how many of those films i wonder is the protagonist the instigator of that violence you know how, how much are they reacting to it or how much do they find themselves in a violent situation and how much as we see with a lot of call of cthulhu investigators is them going out and thinking right you know i've got this problem to sort out let's shoot it in the face i guess often in role-playing games and, and call of cthulhu as well using violence is an effective measure to getting past obstacles or Mm. getting information there's a guy and we know he's got this book up in his bedroom and we want to get it off him he won't give it to us i'll punch him in the face yeah okay you know what i mean it's like okay we'll use violence in some way to get this clue to get this guy to tell us information in the way that we've seen in you know i don't know gangster films and so on we'll just tie him to a chair and, and whatever cut his ear off Okay. Um, Reservoir Dogs. First yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, often that works, right? Because, you you know, they will end up giving the information. They will end up, you will end up getting the stuff, the books or whatever. And how could we run the scenarios in such a way that violence wasn't so effective, I suppose, if we wanted to play that down? Either that it doesn't achieve its goals or that it has greater repercussions. So bringing the, the effects of the law against player characters and so on. I, I still just smile with fond memories of when Scott informed me of his percussive investigator. <laughs> yes. Uh, the one with the D6 damage bonus that just hold people up by the legs and pinyarded them until clues fell out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I joked about it, but it was a very, very effective way of tackling the problems in that particular campaign. Which is one of the things that got me thinking about this, which is someone who actually did that in real life, I don't think would necessarily last very long. In practice, torture is notoriously ineffective for getting answers out of people. Because if you threaten people with violence, or worse, if you actually hurt them, and you do this as a a form of interrogation, more often than not, they'll tell you anything that they think you want to hear in order to stop the torture in practice torture doesn't work and yet in role-playing games all too often when we get people looking for those bonus dice on their intimidate roles and you know really trying to squeeze the answers out of a captured cultist as keepers or as gms i think we're all too willing to go with the consequences of that and say oh yeah yes obviously if i cut his ear off and you make your interrogate role obviously that's going to work because again it's kind of like the game element oh you've won your 
bid to do this thing mm. so you get the reward that kind of makes sense but on the other hand as you just said maybe it doesn't make sense to what happens in the world and b perhaps it is just encouraging that behavior i guess i'd go back to the whole thing of bringing repercussions in because i figure that most people have got family they've got friends or they've got colleagues or if they're criminals they've got other criminals you know some kind of network or whatever and if you do something against someone someone's going to come after you well as, as well as the legal aspects well that as yeah. well but you know yeah there's the law but then there's also revenge because we're kind of focused on the investigators and the the story that we got planned out we often kind of put that stuff to the side because it's going to complicate it's bog matters things down, and yeah. bog the game down yeah. um but it might be interesting in not all games but certainly some games to to bring more of that in but it'd be kind of nice to have something which gives the keeper some support on how to do that i think well, we're talking very specifically about Call of Cthulhu here. Obviously, it's a horror game. Do we think that the presence of violence in the game adds to the horror? Uh, and if so, how? It's, I think it's very context-dependent. There's certain cir uh, circumstances you're going to find where it does certainly add to horror. And if you go down the Clive Barker slasher kind of route, Cenobites wouldn't exactly be particularly scary if all they did was look at you menacingly. It's all about tearing people apart and seeing the blood fly. Hmm. But there are other circumstances where if you're trying to build a very like a mood or atmosphere game, like let's say a ghost story, for example, the minute you start whipping out guns or start trying to combat something, then it's breaking that atmosphere because it it's probably a very valid response in that circumstance. Someone's going to snap, someone's going to go a little bit crazy. But it's completely counterpoint to everything that's been building the mood up until that point. I think you can go quite a long way in a horror game with disgust and discomfort, and violence certainly plays into that. I think that one of the things that makes it effective as, as a tool in horror is being viscerally nasty with it. I, I remember when I was a kid, the TV series that I used to watch when I was very young, back in the late 60s, early 70s, were generally pretty violent, particularly crime shows. Lots of people getting shot and stabbed and, and murdered in various ways. And it was always completely bloodless. Back in those days, any time you saw someone getting killed, they might get shot, they'd double over, they'd fall to the ground, there wouldn't be a speck of blood. It would be like someone hit an off switch and they were taken out. And there's nothing really horrifying about that. But if you say that, right, you get shot and you know, it hits you in the jaw, it blows the bottom part of your jaw out, you know, there's, it's hanging loose, your, your tongue is now flopping loose, there's blood pouring down, soaking into your shirt, you're making you know, desperate gurgling noises as you're fighting for breath, there's blinding agony, you can't see, you're deafened by the sound of the gunshot, and that suddenly becomes a lot more horrifying. You could suddenly become Twisty the Clown from American Horror Story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd say your previous example of people getting shot and no blood, and they just fall over, or they just punch someone and the person just falls down is that even violent i mean it's it's mm. it's a portrayal of violence but it's kind of very abstracted to the level where if you think about what violence means i'm not even sure that is violent it's just a i've shot them they fall down it's like make-believe in a playground yeah but you know that whole thing that you graphically portrayed that feels violent because violence should be in your face shocking and pretty repulsive i think when it's like that i think it does bring something to the game i mean if, if it's like you said matt if it's out of context or sort of breaks the mood then no but if it's done well then i think it, it can bring a lot to the game and it, it communicates a sense of horror Certainly in games in general, I'm very keen on narrating the effects of violence. Say you're interrogating a cultist, Matt, and you're trying to push your, your interrogate role. You pull out a gun, you put it up to his kneecap and say, right, talk or I'll blow your kneecap off. I've been on the yeah. receiving end of that scene, thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the role fails, you escalate, you blow his, his kneecap off. You know, if I just say you blow his kneecap off, that is like one of those scenes from a, a 1970s cop show. It's a nasty thing, and a nastier thing than you see in one of those. But the description, you blow his kneecap off, is a fairly bloodless thing. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, if I talk about you know, the smell and the screaming and the bits of, of shattered bone that are all over the ground and you know, the fact that his blood is now soaked into your trousers, the smell of all the blood in the air. And, you're uh, you're you know, looking too, in, uh, too <laughs> enthusiastic while giving this description. You, but, there's but, something the microphone don't pick up <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't that w wouldn't that make it more i don't know affecting somehow I instead of just 
having used the appropriate tool to try to get the result you want, that suddenly you realise you've crossed a line. It certainly makes it more realistic and it makes it more graphic and makes it more in, in your face than just that abstract description of, oh, kneecap blowing off or like a bottle cap coming off the top of a bottle. Yeah. It suddenly makes it more real, more tangible, and this is what you've done. And something I've done sometimes if somebody's doing something like that in cold blood is to ask for a sanity roll yeah. and asking them to fail the sanity roll um, before they can bring themselves to do something like that. Because that seems... You know, a rational, sane person, I would argue, is going to find that extremely difficult to do. They might threaten it. Actually doing it, I think, is a different thing. There was a, a horror film many years back, or about 10 years ago, called The Children, where a bunch of kids get possessed by something and, and start becoming more and more violent. And I remember seeing the comments on IMDb, back in the days when IMDb had comments, where there were all these people sort of saying, well, I don't understand why the parents just didn't kill all the kids once they started getting violent. <laughs> like it worked. What the hell? The <laughs> yeah. I guess the point is that a lot of people have different opinions about violence and the lines they would draw and the mm. lines they think other people would draw and what they think is realistic for someone else to do. Because sometimes people argue in films, oh, it wouldn't be realistic for that person to have killed that person or punched that person or, you know, done that. And I'm like, well, why not? Because it's, it's... It's funny. I normally see it the other way around, where it's people sort of saying, you know... Um, Usually in, in critiques of horror films, people posting online saying, oh, obviously, as soon as someone, you know, things got a bit scary, they should have got violent about it. You know, that, that person's acting a bit weird. They should have just, you know, killed them. And I guess they're looking at it in that case in terms of, I know this is a horror film. Why didn't yes. that person kill those creepy people? Because it was obvious they were dodgy. But, you know, in real life, we don't just kill all the creepy people. <laughs> because <laughs> you know, it's not yeah, the real yeah. life i hope isn't a horror film right um you know <laughs> we've got well, some skeptical faces staring back at you <laughs> <laughs> yeah speak for yourself paul <laughs> but it's that you know it comes down to that difference between real life yeah. and the fantasy of a story i think it always comes back to that for me and i've no great compunction in killing people and so on in role-playing games well, a moment ago, Matt mentioned that uh, introducing violence into a game can undermine uh, the creepy atmosphere that you're trying to build. But can you think of any other ways in which introducing violence might, might make a game less horrific? I think sometimes horror relies on tension, and that tension can be released by acts of violence. Mm. Yeah, so they're cathartic. Yeah, yeah. You know, once you get to the violence, you, you can no longer have the anticipation yes. of violence. Well, and also it seems to make things a bit safer. There's that, that line from Predator, if it bleeds, we can kill it. So but violence makes it safer. Yeah, it, 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 makes, <laughs> okay. it makes the game feel safer because yeah. it's introducing an element of control. Yeah. It's something you I can know do to solve the problem. Yes. You've got a chance, or rather, you yeah. think you have. Yeah. Because, you know, let, let's take examples from Call of Cthulhu. You're being stalked by a ghoul. You've got a shotgun. Uh, yeah, all right, ghouls are pretty resilient. You, you get a blast or two in. You hurt it badly and it limps off and it suddenly is no longer that creepy a threat. On the other hand, you get something like a Hound of Tindalos, which cannot be hurt by ordinary weapons. This kind of smoky form starts manifesting out of a corner. You bring your shotgun up, you might as well just be shooting at smoke. All right, you've got that, that slight feeling of control that you fired your gun, but then there's that oh-fuck moment as you realise it's not going to help. It, well, might, it might help you. Well, yes, yes, there <laughs> is that. I mean, I guess that is something about violence, is that it's rarely in the role-playing game, I think the actual combat or acts of violence are often not the scary part the scary part is the apprehension the weirdness the wondering what's going on about things once you actually get to combat um, i'd say often combat isn't actually horrifying or frightening yeah, i mean if you really get into the graphic description that can be kind of a bit repulsive and horrifying but in a different kind of way often feels more of an adventure role-playing when you kind of get into combat for that bit of the combat, I think. Well, and also it takes the, you know, the monster from being a mysterious threat into a problem to be solved. 
Well, now that we've talked a bit about the pros and cons of violence in a game, if we decide that we want to use violence more sparingly, how would you approach trying to have a more or or a less violent or a more non-violent Call of Cthulhu game? For me, it's moral dilemma, putting choices in the front of the PCs that could resolve a problem, but none of them are good. So that it's which of the kind of almost the lesser of the various evils that you have to choose from you're going to be willing to go down or how much you're willing to lose to put something right and really make it impact a personal horror rather than just, hey, click, 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 bang, 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 boom. Yeah, and I think it, you know, along those lines as well, there's the element of revelation as well. So, I mean, if you think about one of Lovecraft's classic stories, The, the Shadow Out of Time, there is you know, no violence in that story that you know, gets around to the end of it. The protagonist has learnt a lot about what happened to himself, about the, you know, the circumstances under which he finds himself, the threats that, that humanity may be you know, faced with in future. But there isn't a violent resolution to it. The horror comes from learning things that you don't want to know. And I think I'd ponder on some of the things we've said about you know, having more repercussions of violence and violence perhaps not presenting the rewards that the player characters are after. I think if we don't offer the rewards of violence so readily, then players will realise that it's not first resort that it's something they should really explore other ways and you know be more creative in how they try to resolve matters yeah and i think another aspect of that is having things or having antagonists that either can't be hurt or that the the investigators might not want to hurt so i mean can't be hurt Mm. i mean there's any number of creatures in call of cthulhu that you simply cannot hurt through conventional means you know whether it's a hound of tindloss or a color out of space you you can have all the shotguns and dynamite you want it ain't gonna help but that they might not want to hurt. If you look at perhaps uh, you know someone they love or care about who's who's possessed, or maybe they learn something about you know someone they care about that they're not as human as they seem to be. Uh, you know, w- would your reaction then be, oh, it's a monster? You know, shoot, shoot, shoot. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, we would like to say thank you very much to all you lovely, lovely, lovely people who have given us money via Patreon. The money you give us allows us to keep the podcast going, pays for all our costs, and we are incredibly grateful for it. So thank you. And we have a few new people to thank. Yes, beginning at the $1 level, we have a thanks to Chris Webb. Thank you very much, Chris. Hey, thank you, Chris. Yes, thank you, Chris. And also our thanks go out to Jed McClure. So thank you very much, Jed. Thank you, Jed. Thank you, Jed. And moving up to the $3 level, we would like to say thank you and cheers to Kasper Nozazuski. And I do hope I pronounced that right, and apologies if we haven't. Cheers, Kasper. Hey, cheers, Kasper. And thanks and cheers to Frank Grafe. Hey, cheers, Frank. Thank you and cheers, Frank. And also our cheers go out to Dan Hernandez. So, thank you and cheers, Dan. Yeah, thank you and cheers, Dan. Cheers, Dan. And... Oh dear, we have two new $5 backers to thank. You all know what that means, I hope. We have such sounds to inflict upon you. Yes. For for those of you who might be blissfully unaware, when someone does back us at the $5 level, we thank them through song. It's kind of like the audio equivalent of the thing. It just assimilates and takes over. <laughs> yes. And our first song today goes out to Brian Hicks. Thank you very much, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Yes, thank you, Brian, and and we hope you you enjoy this. And our next audio thanks go out to David Goffin. So, thank you, David.
Meanwhile, on social media... Yeah, we've had some new iTunes reviews. Yeah, one out there from Jonas Wolf. Uh, Jonas says, Inspirational and thoroughly enjoyable. I've been listening to the Good Friends podcast for six months and I'm constantly amazed at how diverse and inspirational the topics are. Having been a role player and horror geek fan since I was at school, I love the mix of discussion, humour, critique and ideas. Whether you like role-playing games, the works of H.P. Lovecraft or other horror writers, love horror film or TV, or just enjoy podcasts in general, there's much to admire in The Good Friends. And, let's be honest, where else can you back a podcast on Patreon and have a special song composed just for you? <laughs> composed is, is a very generous term there, I think. Song is also a generous <laughs> term. <laughs> Listening to mine this morning while out walking the dog made me burst into hysterical laughter. <laughs> Keep up the good work. <laughs> Roll on episode 200. Well, we're really glad you enjoyed it, Jonas, and thank you very much. And, uh, well, thank you for the review. And if, if anyone else feels moved to review us, we would absolutely adore that. And these reviews do help raise the visibility of the podcast. They, they raise the podcast up rankings on places like iTunes. So if, if, you, if you would like to leave a review anywhere where you download your podcasts, we would deeply appreciate that. We've also had some feedback on our episode about Gen Con 2018. First off from Forrester Gary on G+, who says, Love this episode, especially where you interviewed Bob Geis. I sat at his table a couple of Gary Cons ago in a U2 Can Cthulhu event, and he is a fantastic keeper. It was one of the best Call of Cthulhu events I've played in. Thankfully, I was able to get into two you too can Cthulhu events for Game Hall Con in November. Can't wait! Bob Geis has a pretty good reputation for running games and his whole crew sound pretty cool and we talked about that in the previous show. So, uh, yeah, check them out. Over on G+, Anthony Adams says, I should forewarn the listeners that there is one truly unsettling bit when the box is being examined. Something horrible emerges, but only Scott sees it for what it truly is. We can only listen on in terror as whatever it is takes control of Scott's mind and the illusion is restored. Just a matchbox. And now we wait. There is nothing in control of my mind. Actually, that's probably <laughs> sadly <laughs> true. <laughs> Uh, I was expecting something that we control the horizontal and the vertical, but no. <laughs> but but yes, that was a purely ordinary mundane matchbox. Nothing well, it wasn't an ordinary that. matchbox. Yes, it matchbox. yes, it was. It was an ordinary matchbox, Paul. It, was, it match- was an ordinary matchbox. It was one from the HPLHS. It was. Set. It was an ordinary matchbox. It was an ordinary matchbox. It was an ordinary matchbox, Paul. It was an ordinary match. It was an ordinary matchbox. It just didn't matchbox. burn when you struck the match. <laughs> So, what do we think about violence in Call of Cthulhu? Yeah, it's it's something that I'm intrigued by. I really like violence in media. For a lot of the reasons we've talked about, I find it entertaining, I find it cathartic, I find it's a good tool for horror. And, yeah, as a result, I'm, I'm very happy using it in Call of Cthulhu. I guess I'd like to see violence as being more kind of horrific, less mundane in games, and less of a default option. Violence, to me, should be a big, horrible thing. And too often in games, it it just isn't. I think it has its place. I just think that a bit too much emphasis is given to it in some scenarios and in some games. That I would like to see more of a focus on other forms of horror, and more atmosphere and more tension being built and paid attention to. Yeah, there's there's a time when it's good to shoot the cultists in the face, but I wouldn't want to see too many instances of it. Keep it short and sweet. But it also occurs to me that you and I are probably the worst offenders that I know of for doing this, that, you know, in, in a lot of Call of Cthulhu games, we're the first people to shoot the cultists in the face and then burn everything down. That's because he's doing a monologue. If I shoot him first, the cult, uh, it's obviously going to be a shorter <laughs> combat. Kill him in one hit when he doesn't expect it. Yeah, you move on to the next scene. Scott has just spoken great words of truth. (laughs) (laughs) I've run games for these guys. The default action is we burn it down, we kill them all, shoot them as the children get out of the window. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, Now, for me, I think, like you said, Scott, I enjoy violence in role-playing games. It can be highly entertaining. 
I think violence should often be more violent in role-playing games. Yeah. In, by that, yeah. I, I don't mean more of it. I mean communicated in a more horrible way. Often, you know, I play a D&D campaign at the moment each week and we engage in combats pretty much every week, often multiple combats in a session. But were they that violent? Well, we were chopping people with swords and hitting them with lightning bolts and stuff. But it didn't actually feel violent. It felt mm. like we're playing a game and we're saying these words, but I don't really feel there's violence going on. Um, and I think a bit more of that would actually add more colour, quite graphically, to the game, really. And I think, mm. yeah, I think I might try and up my portrayal of it in Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly I've had great success doing that in games, not just Call of Cthulhu, but horror games in general, that, you know, just little bits of description will go a long way. Describing pain, describing blood, describing sounds and smells, intestines poking out of wounds and guts and stuff like that. These things get an immediate reaction out of people and they help bring home the fact that it's not just attrition of hit points. Yeah, you know, I've lost three hit points. Oh, well, never mind. I'll get them back in a couple of days. It's fine. You know, just just marks on a bit of paper, but trying to communicate what that is. I don't know if I snag my fingernail, it's like I think that's painful, and it's like that's pretty minor. You know, <laughs> imagine actually getting stabbed enough that blood comes out. Well, that would be pretty terrifying. Yeah, but if you, you describe someone's eye socket getting shattered by a mighty blow, oh, well, that's their really eye half dangling yeah. down but, I mean, their cheek, just, then 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 all of a sudden, you know, that that that's horror. But I'm just yeah. meaning. You know, just cuts or something that oh, actually yeah, yeah. just cause one or two hit points damage, Scott, if they actually happen oh, yeah, to you yeah. in real life, that would be, you know, perhaps a trip to accident and emergency to get stitches. Yes, you know? that's true. That's, if you had to go to A&E to get stitches, that would be a significant thing that you'd probably be telling us about, right? The next time we meet up, that yeah, would yeah. be quite a horrible wound. But in a role-playing game, it'd just be... Yeah, can someone damage. give me first aid? Yeah. 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 I, I still am haunted by the image of the first time that you did blow my kneecap off. <laughs> And that How I many times have you done this, Matt? <laughs> well, the one I can, the one major one I can think of. How many kneecaps do you have? <laughs> well, I got it back, right? And something else. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. This is where my my knee was. Uh, I could try to get the secrets of the universe out of my knee, and all it would do was laugh at me. <laughs> well, I think we're descending there from violence into, I don't know, weirdness, which may be a topic for another episode. Well. I think we have to go and punch someone in the face now, so it's a good night from me. It's a cheerio from me. And a farewell from me. Hello? BlasphemousTomes.com Does every recording session have to end like this? <laughs> <laughs>